This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Happy New Year to you and yours. Hope you are getting ready for what's going to be an exciting day of college football. A lot of good bowl games, and it's going to be capped off by the two semifinals coming up later today. You can listen to the Rose Bowl game presented by Prudential, number four Alabama against number one Michigan, right here on ESPN Radio at 5 p.m. Eastern. And later on ESPN Radio, it's the All-State Sugar Bowl, number three Texas, number two Washington, 8.45 p.m. Eastern here on ESPN Radio. I'm Gabe Knights along with Braden Gall as we fill in here on Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. But before we get to everything happening in the world of college football, we focus on probably the most shocking results of the NFL yesterday, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles losing to the Cardinals 35-31, giving up the last-minute drive to Kyler Murray and company for the Cardinals as they march down the field to defeat the Eagles on a two-minute drive, sending the Eagles to their fourth loss in their last five games. And right now, they are the fifth seed in the NFC, not even leading the NFC East. That belongs right now to the Dallas Cowboys to make things even worse. Uh, apparently, Eagles wide receiver Devontae Smith suffered a mild ankle sprain against Arizona. That's according uh, to some sources who told that to Jeremy Fowler. Uh, this is not considered serious, though. Per ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, Eagles can be the two or five seed, depending upon how things check out this weekend. How much should Eagles fans be panicking after this team, who got off to one of the best starts in the NFL this season, Braden, now are limping towards the finish as they get ready for the postseason? I, I do. I, first of all, I'm concerned because the, the, this stretch coincides with a defense that's been pushed around. They gave up 450 yards of offense, 32 first downs, 221 on the ground yesterday to Arizona. And Arizona, you, that was their game plan from the start. We are going to run James Conner on the edge, and, and they didn't really have a great answer for it the entire game, dominated time of possession. Here's the thing, though. These losses have come against really, really good teams, and you can spin that one of two different ways. Well, when you play a tough schedule, it's good, you're going to face some adversity. Also, when you play in the playoffs, you're going to play against good teams. So they do need to fix some things. I think the line of scrimmage here is what I want to be focused on against the Giants. You don't need Devontae Smith in this game against the Giants in the last game. You may not even need him against the Tampa Bay team, let's say, in the first round of the playoffs. But you want him to be as healthy as possible. So let's get back to basics here. Let's run the football with Swift and Gainwell. Let's let's use Jalen Hurts in the power rushing attack. They ran for 170 against the Giants two weeks ago. Get back to that type of football. Dominate time of possession. Be patient. They ran for 178 against Seattle. That was the, the close loss from a couple of weeks ago. Like Get back to running the football on offense. Work on your defense. Get focused. I, I still think they have a very good chance to win their first-round matchup as a 5 seed going on the road to whoever wins the NFC South. So it's not panic time yet because if they win two games, they're going to go into that divisional round a pretty hot football team. So I still think there's a really good. this is a really, really good football team. Force-feed A.J. Brown if you need to, but run the football. Concentrate on the line of scrimmage against the Giants in the season finale. And I think you, you, can, you can build some of that confidence going into a, a playoff game. The issue with the Eagles, though, is, and it's a good point, that, yeah, they've played some tough teams here. And, you know, you lost to the 49ers at home, but the 49ers playing better than just about anybody in the league. You lost at Dallas, and who hasn't lost at Dallas? So going into this week, they were averaging nearly 40 points per game inside AT&T. But you were up seven points, and you allowed 10 points from a Drew Locke-led Seahawks team. You let Drew Locke score a touchdown with under a minute to go to lose. Yeah, it's at Seattle, and that's a tough place to play, but it's also 
Drew Locke. And then you play the Giants. Things don't look great against the Giants. You're getting booed at home despite winning, and then you lose against a, a, a bad Cardinals team as well. It's just not trending in the right direction. Yeah, the, the other teams that kind of struggled with tough parts of their schedule and the one that pops into mind, they were injured, they were beat up, the San Francisco 49ers. They bounced back. They showed that they were strong. Hey, we're leaving that behind us. And I think that's happened to just about every team that's toward the top of their conference right now. Same thing with the Ravens. The Eagles haven't bounced back, and these were the teams they were supposed to bounce back against and it makes me wonder how much of a threat they actually are in the NFC I think they're going to win a playoff game but after that all bets are off I think what'll be interesting also is the games that they play I know Dallas beat them pretty handily at home and as you pointed out Dallas has been very good at home I still don't trust Dallas or Detroit necessarily yet in the playoffs this could be the year that that narrative changes for both of those franchises Dallas just can't figure it out and Detroit of course has yet to sort of do it they they're a they new haven't team. won a playoff game since 1992 so it's understandable <laughs> exactly. why maybe you wouldn't trust and I like Detroit this Detroit, I like both of these rosters like Dallas and Detroit are built very well they're very talented rosters really well set up I think there are some questions about both both organizations from an experience standpoint that that hey if I'm if the Eagles are going into one of those games and they are they're coming off a really impressive performance let's say in a wild card game th- that you would feel comfortable about but I agree here's the other thing take care of the football guys you you mentioned the end of the Seattle game part of the problem was two timely interceptions at the end of the game by Jalen Hurts where where he took a deep shot that he probably shouldn't have taken on one of those the other one was just a spectacular play at the end of the game by the safety love there but like I think, again, if this game this weekend for Philly looks like the Giants game from two weeks ago, where Philadelphia is clearly the better team, but like the Giants are just you're just you're playing with your food a little bit, you know, like don't don't act like that. That's the concern here. And again, the defense was the big issue uh, this past weekend against Arizona. The offense has had eight turnovers in the last four games, so protect the football, focus on the running game. I think it's sort of get back to basics weeks. If I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, you've got one of the best offensive lines in the game. You ran for almost 200 against this team two weeks ago. Sort of put your foot down, rest Devontae Smith. If you need to force-feed A.J. Brown, do it. But I think you can get healthy this week. And then if they if they do that and they go on the road and win a playoff game, which they should be favored in, I would assume, then I think you can start to say, all right, they've put that chunk of time behind them. They're a different team. Let's go to work and try to get back, you know, recapture our Super Bowl run from last year. I, at the same time, if they struggle against the Giants this week, and it doesn't look good, yes, there's absolutely room for concern because anybody can beat anybody in the playoffs. It's funny when you take a look at the playoff pictures to me because you have the two dominant teams at the top, and they've clinched the number one seed in Baltimore and San Francisco. But other than that, in the AFC, I think there are a lot of teams that, oh man, you don't want to see that team. I I think that Kansas City is that because of Mm -hmm. what Patrick Mahomes is. I think Buffalo is that because they seem hot despite not playing their best yesterday, still getting a win over the the, the Patriots, but they're hot because they were a team left for dead, and now they could even be vaulted to the two seed. The Browns in that defense, and with Flacco pushing the ball down the field, seem like a dangerous team. Houston, watch out for Houston. That is a dangerous football team. Stroud is, is going to be healthy. But when you look at the NFC... Outside of San Fran, is anybody actually playing well? Because the, the Cowboys should have. But does the Rams? The Rams I mean, the Rams have, have won what six out of seven. Sure, got a, but they, they should have lost to the Giants yesterday. No, they I agree. Lost to the Giants. I agree. Like, it, I agree. If Tyrod Taylor doesn't throw a two-point conversion attempt inexplicably behind Saquon Barkley, or if Mason Crosby <laughs> hits a fifty-four-yard field goal, right? Like the, the, the well, seat, ultimately, the Rams lose that game. Your question is, who do you trust? 
And in the, a- in the AFC, you obviously trust Kansas City. You obviously trust Josh Allen to show up for a big game, right? Like yes. they're going to be, they're capable, they're dangerous. I don't know if you, I trust Cleveland's defense, but I don't know if I trust. It's like the the, the Dolphins. I trust the offense, but not in a matchup oh, where no, it's a I, physicality game. I irrationally trust Joe Flacco. I've got Flacco <laughs> fever so bad, Braden. <laughs> it's I unbelievable. Like it. I could barely I like get it. out of bed to come to work this morning. What's funny is I really trust D'Amico Ryans, the, the head coach for the Texans. I think it's brilliant, and I think their defense, really good rushing defense. C.J. Stroud slings it all over the place. Like I really, that, that Houston team is dangerous. I don't trust them in the postseason yet, but that's a dangerous team. In the NFC, though, we just done, done talking about this. Detroit and Dallas, two of the best rosters in the NFL, two of the best situations, two of the best teams, two teams with the, some of the most best records in the league. Do we trust them? in the NFC with the game on the line. And I don't know if we, we do yet. I think there's a little bit of trust with the Rams because of the offense, McVay, Stafford, all the weapons being healthier now with Williams and uh, Puka and Cooper Cup and Higby. Like, I, I think that's a dangerous football team that's won six out of seven. There's a little bit of trust there for me with the Rams. But I, if Green Bay gets in, I, there's no there's no way to trust a young team with a first-year starting quarterback. I think Philadelphia has earned some element of and trust And a defense here. that made Tommy DeVito the NFC right, player of the week. Right. Baker Mayfield and Tommy DeVito lit them up, so that's <laughs> not trustworthy at all. Uh, but I think Phil- Philadelphia, I think, is one of the teams that does have some. When you've got that much experience and you've got a quarterback who's been there and done it, I do think you have to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. So it's not looking good for Philly right now, but if you're asking me about trust in the NFC, I, I mean, Eagles are probably number two on the list behind Oof. the Niners. Because it's crazy when you look at all these other teams, like in the first round, because San Francisco has the bye. So in the first round, just about any of those teams, like I, I doubt, I mean, right now it would be Green Bay going into Dallas. So I doubt the Packers would go in and light up the Cowboys and blow them out. But I could see a situation in every matchup, basically in the NFC, of either team could either blow their opponent out or get blown out. Like it's just so wildly inconsistent the peaks yep. and valleys yep. of all the playoff teams outside of the 49ers and I understand they just got boat raced by the by the Ravens but the Ravens are over in the NFC or excuse me in the AFC and the blueprint to beat the Niners is to kind of bully them back and nobody in the NFC really has that personnel in order to do it I, I mean and, Dallas and Detroit have some some guys on defense that you might be able to say could play that kind of ball, but they don't have the entire team. They don't have the whole roster. I mean, honestly, look at the storylines, by the way, currently in the matchups in the NFC. Green Bay at Dallas, historically great matchup with always some great drama in the postseason between those two franchises. And Mike McCarthy versus his former team. Of course, Rams versus Detroit, the Jared Goff Bowl, like fantastic matchups there with those two. And then Philly and Tampa Bay, of course, with right now. It could be Philly and New Orleans, obviously, as well. But Philadelphia being the defending NFC champs, it, it is going to be – look, this is the NFL, man. Every one of these games could be fantastic. And I agree. I don't have a lot of trust factor with anybody outside of San Francisco in the NFC. Which team is the biggest challenger to the Ravens in the AFC? Who can knock off the 49ers in the NFC, be a part of the Carlin versus Joe Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. Not college football season without the delicious taste of high school Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. So you can hit us up to answer those questions. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Eagles loss on Sunday highlights the biggest issue the NFL faces today because it just ends up inadvertently... Shining a light on yeah something we've talked about all season long. We'll unfortunately dive into that next on Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Pat. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Snap to golf. Looking, throwing it to the left. It is dropped. Dropped by the tight end, Mitchell. We've had a bit of an unusual year uh, just because of the, you know, the, the margins of victory. But the, we knew this stretch was going to be rough, and uh, this is exactly what we needed. Another week in the NFL is completed, so why not have yet another officiating controversy? It seems like it's happening on a weekly basis this year in the NFL. It's Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance. Gabe Nigel, Braden Gall with you on ESPN Radio. In for the guys today, Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. And because the Eagles lost yesterday, it seems like it even exasperates even more what happened on Saturday night with Brad Allen getting wrong who was reporting to him and a two-point conversion that was negated because of a penalty, because of the confusion, not knowing who was eligible, who was eligible, and all those things costing the Lions a game and costing the Lions an opportunity at being the number two seed and even potentially the number one seed in the NFC. Again, that's all because the Eagles lost yesterday, shining even brighter light on what happened in Dallas on Saturday night. Join the conversation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Let's go to BJ in South Carolina. BJ, you're on ESPN Radio with Gabe Neitzel, Braden Gall. Yes, sir. I've got two points for you. Um, the first one is is we all got to see the video of uh, Taylor Decker looking at the referee the referee acknowledging him, but the point that they don't have it showed or, or gave us yet is the audio of those two talking. There is audio. That referee is mic'd up. I want to hear that. I want to hear what was said between those two. Um, Cause this guy is doubling down on his statements, which is wrong. It's clearly wrong. And the other thing is, is as a former referee, um, that was not my career option. As in all of these NFL guys, this is not their career option. This is their side hustle. This is an $8 billion a year business. 
can we actually get professional referees that will be accountable for? I, well, I think I think first of all, they I, I, the NFL does hold these guys accountable with their grading. We're not privy to that information. I think we should be privy yeah. to that information yeah. if we're privy to all the other information involving players. Like we should be, we should know when officials get downgraded and things like that. As far as the audio, the only way audio would exist of this, Braden, is if one of those guys standing on the sidelines holding that cone with the microphone happened to be pointing it in the right direction. Because even though Brad Allen's got a microphone on his shirts or you know wearing it down from his ear, that microphone has to be turned on in order for it to be working and actually be recording something somewhere else. I think you have way too much faith in uh, Silicon Valley, the NFL, and uh, Roger Goodell. There's, I think they're recording everything. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I think everything's being recorded. That is, uh, that, that is my opinion. Uh, that is just my opinion uh, <laughs> that everything is just, being recorded. Just to clarify. Uh, but you're right. God, it would be great to listen to that. Like, Wouldn't it be hilarious if Taylor, there's audio of Taylor Decker being like, so uh, are you more of a champagne guy on New Year's Eve, or like, do you like whiskey? Like, what's your what's your preference, uh, Mister Mister Allen? Like, and there's no mention of like reporting to. Uh, listen, I, I I think ultimately the main point here is it should be okay for the referees to because I've been at like a, I've, I was at um, a couple of SEC games this year where like when you're walking through the bottom of the tunnel to get to like the press conferences after the games. Where like the referees are put into a bus and it looks like a secret service operation, mm-hmm. like they put the refs into a bus and that bus has left the stadium within seconds of the whistle. Like it is nuts to see it happen. How fast they get those refs out of there? I, I don't know why you can't have one ref, the head referee, represent in a post game press conference, separate from the players, separate from the coaches, after the locker room or whatever. Have them available to the media. Have the statistics be public and be transparent about it and just say, look. Players make mistakes. Coaches make mistakes. Radio hosts make mistakes. Referees make mistakes. We're all human. It's part of the game. And show the grades. Hey, this crew's really good at this p- particular call. This crew needs to work better on this. Like it's, And then pay them more so that you can then say, look, you get paid more to deal with the scrutiny that's part of the job. I, I don't know why that's not a part of the solution. Yeah, and this even is different than any of the other controversies we've had. I mean, Brad Allen, his officiating crew was the one that did not call a pass interference penalty that would have favored the Kansas City Chiefs in a primetime game, a Sunday night game at Lambeau Field that helped out the Chiefs and prevented them from coming back um, against the Green Bay Packers late in that game. And that's a missed call, and that happens. And even though it's frustrating because it's obvious to us watching at home, also being down on the field, like that, the speed of the NFL is unbelievable. Well, and do- you're trying to keep up with it. You're running around too. Like you're going to miss calls. This is different than missing a yes. holding penalty yes. or a pass interference penalty. And that's where, especially now, I think, man, hey, man, I just heard him wrong. I made the mistake. I think that just would go it. a long way. Yeah. Did, well, did you see that? I don't know if you saw this, but there was a, a pass interference penalty late in that Eagles game, which again ties into this whole entire story where the Cardinals receiver Greg Dorch is going down the field and Kyler Murray just puts it up and it doesn't even look like he's throwing it to him necessarily. But like Dorch reaches up and grabs the Eagles defensive, like he almost like horse collars the defensive player as he's like falling to the ground and they call a PI on the Eagles. And it's very clear that if anything, it was maybe PI on Arizona or a no, mm-hmm. a good no call. My point is, is that the human element is part of a game that is going 100 miles an hour with 22 different people, and like it's just part of the game. And I think fans understand that. Like we know that that mistakes are part of this. 
And you sure you want to work to be as perfect as possible. And I actually think if here's the other thing I think would happen if you gave the transparency to the referee grades. Like I think actually referee like I don't think games are decided by the referees. I, I just don't. I don't believe it. There's yeah. been, this this one might have been, and that's one of the few times where I actually college or pro will say, look, I think a bad call actually indi- like impl- uh, uh, change the outcome of a game. Otherwise, you have too many plays. Of, of a, in a college game, it's like 170 plays, and yeah, in the NFL, it's 140 plays. If you d- don't let it come down to that, this was a play that actually took place, happened, the call was wrong, and it changed the score on the on the scoreboard. Very rarely does that actually happen. I think if you actually put out the grades for these referees, you would be shocked at how good of a job they actually do in general. Like spotting the football is insane to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> spotting the football is something that they're just doing with their eyeballs at like lightning speed and they all they get it right like 99.9% of the time and it's then outrageous. they review they review the ones that aren't correct and they fix them it, it is i think you actually if you put out the 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 scores and the sheets of how these the analytics of the referees i think it actually would they would benefit cuz i think fans would be like oh my god you you've gotten that right like 96% of the time like that's mm-hmm. pretty good like i i think they should reveal that stuff cuz i think you would actually benefit from it Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. It's the Doctor Pepper call in line. Join the conversation, like Sean in Ohio. Sean, you're up next on Carlin versus Joe with Gabe Nights with Braden Gall filling in for the guys today on ESPN Radio. Hi, this uh, yeah. I I, I want to say because you have the two teams, Detroit and Dallas, there's potential that it could come back to Detroit and Dallas for the two and three seed. Why mm-hmm. don't Roger Goodell step up and protect the shield and say, you know what? Our guys made a mistake, and if it comes down to those two, I'm taking the grunt, and I move the game to Detroit and play it the way it was. That don't affect any other teams. No other teams, except for Jerry Jones. You know, that's the only one that affects is Jerry Jones. So your opinion. I'll hang up and listen, but I want your opinion on that. Look, this is look. there, there are rules, Gabe. This is not NOM, okay? Like, we, we, we can't just... Like, look, the outcome was bad. The call was bad. It was a mistake. They should own the mistake. But you can't go back and just like, like, oh, well, it's, I think I think the Eagles should be the two seed now. Why stop there? Why stop with where the game's played? Like, you can't. Because well, I, I well, think that's there, funny. Also, there's 23 seconds left. Like, right? stranger things right. have happened where right. the Cowboys could get in position to try a game-winning field goal. You have to, once a game is final, no matter how bad the call was, you have to stand by – Whatever the official decision was, that's what you have to stand by your officials. That's uh, yeah, exactly. Other NFC, other NFC North quarterbacks have done less in twenty three seconds in that stadium. So it's <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. It's just, it, it, man, can you imagine if Goodell stepped in? Like, oh yeah, we're gonna. Like, the only time it actually made sense when they were trying to figure this out was when they actually canceled the game because of something more serious last year with Cincinnati yeah. and Buffalo, yeah. and because they ended up playing one last game and you couldn't find a time to, um, you know, schedule a game after everything that happened with Demar Hamlin in in that game in Cincinnati, and that was the only time it made sense. Like it took yep. an ex- extenuating circumstance of not being able to finish a game. To which to, both coaches agreed, by the way, right? Yes, like both yep. both organizations were like, no, this is the right thing we got to do. Yeah. So if we end up, you know, so it's like, oh, okay, we, we we might do this. Maybe we have an AFC championship game. And ultimately, they didn't even do any of those things, but that's the only time they even considered doing, oh, we'll go to a neutral site or, oh, maybe we'll move 
um, a playoff game if one of these two teams happens to be involved. It's a huge day for the college football playoff. Two of the top coaches in college football are going head-to-head. We preview and take a look at that matchup coming up next on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. ESPN App Series XM, Channel 80. Gabe Nigel, Braden Gall, hanging out with you. Getting you ready for some college football action coming up later today on ESPN Radio. Capped off by the two semifinal games, Bama, Michigan, in the Rose Bowl, 5 p.m. here on ESPN Radio, and Texas, Washington, in the All-State Sugar Bowl. That one will kick around 8.45 on ESPN Radio as well. Speaking of which, earlier, just moments ago, on ESPN's College Game Day, Marty Smith caught up with the head coach of one of those teams in the Rose Bowl, Michigan's Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh here at the Rose Bowl, one of his favorite places. Coach, um, what do you say to anyone who questions your team's participation in the college football playoff this year? We couldn't be prouder. This is this is what we work for. This is what we hope for. I mean, there's uh, and we're here, and uh, we're just ready to have at it, Marty. It's been an interesting season, certainly for you guys. You missed six games. We're suspended yeah. for six games. What concern did you have during that suspension that you might be letting your, your team or your players down? I'll tell you what it felt like. Um, you know, to watch my son Jay Harbaugh have a chance to be a head coach and lead our team, Mike Hart, Jesse Minter, and then Sharon Moore, uh, head coach in four games, going to Happy Valley, you know, beat a top 10 team, you know, win against Ohio State in the big house. It felt like watching my brother on Monday night last week when the Ravens. Uh, you know, had their had their huge win. Um, you know, a son, a brother. That's what it felt like. I could not have been more proud of our guys. Jim Harbaugh getting ready for the Rose Bowl today against Alabama. This one has been the most the higher profile of the two matchups because of the two coaches involved with Nick Saban and everything that Alabama and him have met to pro uh, to college football over the last decade. And then Jim Harbaugh, who has led Michigan to three consecutive wins over Ohio State. They've been in the college football playoff a couple of times before, haven't gotten to that national championship game, and as Marty had mentioned, has been suspended for six games of the of, of throughout the course of the season. So this is clearly, because of those two head coaches, the most anticipated of the two matchups. Yeah, no, no question about it. And uh, maybe the two most hated programs in all of college football right now. I can't think of anybody that that... that 
you know, again, if you're a neutral observer, interestingly enough, the last time Michigan won a Rose Bowl was the year they won the national championship back in 1997. Alabama has won Rose Bowl since then. Alabama, the team in the SEC, you know, that doesn't go to the Rose Bowl every year. Uh, so I think that this is – honestly, I think this is about X plays. I think this is about which team – can you limit Jalen Milrow from creating those big X plays? I think the matchup is great. I think the drama is great. I think the setting is gorgeous and iconic. The two coaches, I mean, there, there is a chance that both coaches – like, if Michigan loses, Jim Harbaugh may be done with the college game altogether. And if Nick Saban wins a national title, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't bet on him retiring. That's not what I would bet on, but I wouldn't be shocked by it. And so you've got like these legacies here that are at stake in this game. Michigan has, has had a half a national championship since like 1948. Like, this is a, one of the premier programs in college football that has not yet ever truly gotten over the hump in the modern era. And so I just think there's legacies on the line here with two great coaches, two huge personalities. And I, I think ultimately, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I think occasionally in college football, the SEC speed athlete team normally wins this game. But occasionally, there is a team that has had enough of it. And they sort of overcome. 2002 Ohio State, right? Miami mm-hmm. was the dominant program. 02 was sort of the freshman Maurice Claret, and they weren't super, they weren't as talented, but they just sort of, all right, enough's enough, and we kind of broke through. I would say 2014 Ohio State was that way. Now they were loaded <laughs> with NFL players. <laughs> you but look I would up and say, down that roster, it's pretty Oh my ridiculous. God, it was, I, I covered that game. I was on the floor of that game uh, of the Sugar Bowl that night, and I was just like, oh, this is insane. Michael Thomas, Von Bell, Zeke Elliott, like Joey Bosa, like the, the, the names on that Ohio State team were Marshawn Lattimore. It was in, insane. But you go, th- th- they, they were tired. I saw it in their faces building up to that, that game. They were tired of the Big Ten SEC thing. They were tired of it. Uh, Clemson, the second year they played Alabama, you could see it. They were not scared of Alabama. They lost in 15. They come back in 16. They weren't scared. And they were like, enough is enough. We're finally going to break through and win our championship. Georgia, same thing in the championship game a couple years ago. Enough is enough. I think Michigan, this is their this is their moment for that type of game. They, they get blown out by Georgia two years ago. They overlooked TCU last year. They are the most experienced team in this tournament so far. They are the number one team in the nation. They're the, been, they've been the most dominant team. I think if they were to win this game today, I think it is because they have decided as a, as a group of young people that enough is enough. It, we are going to play our perfect football game, and we're going we're gonna to end this conversation about Michigan football that's been going on for a quarter century. I think that stuff plays into the game today, and I think that's why I might be taking Michigan to beat Alabama, which feels insane to me. It kind of feels like to me that Harbaugh's gone no matter what. If they win the national championship, if they lose today, if they win today, lose in the national championship game, it just kind of feels like to me he could yep. be on his way out. And I know Michigan's been able to rally around and somehow turn themselves into the victims of the scandals that Harbaugh and his staff have created. Harbaugh directly for the three games that he suspended himself for earlier this season. And, I mean, there's been no direct line from Connor Stallions to Jim Harbaugh, but sure, sure, you're, the head coach, sure. you're the head coach of the program. <laughs> You know, you you get you get punished for things that happen under your watch. You know, even if you can't draw that direct line yet. So, at some point, like you realize, the calls coming from inside the house. All these distractions <laughs> are your own doing. It's yeah. not somebody else who's out to get you. It's you doing things and then being caught doing them. And they've had to answer. He's had to answer so many questions about his future. I wonder if that actually just kind of wears them down. Now, maybe they don't have their A game because of that today. I also don't think they need their A game because, I mean, 
If Alabama shows up, absolutely. But if it's the Alabama team that played in the Iron Bowl, you don't need your A game to beat that Alabama. This Alabama team has the biggest variance, I think, of any team in the college football playoff. Like Their basement, it's down there. Their ceiling, certainly up there. Most impressive win of the season, taking out Georgia. But also, some of the ways they played against lesser-than opponents in the SEC, not impressive either. Uh, well, I mean, the very same weekend, I think, well, I guess it was the week before, Michigan struggled mightily with Maryland, which is a, a team that's a eight-point underdog to, to Auburn in a bowl game. I, I, I think, listen, I think there's – every team has that down moment. Alabama played a far tougher schedule and was dominant against Ole Miss, was very good against Georgia, was dominant on the road in the second half against A&M. They dominated Tennessee, a pretty good team. They beat LSU pretty handily. I, I think Alabama's floor is much higher than you're giving them credit for. That being said – this is statistically, based on the metrics, the worst team Nick Saban has had at Alabama since 2007, his first year there. If, if Michigan is truly the best team that John, Jim Harbaugh's had, and they are, they are experienced enough to learn from their mistakes in the past two seasons, this Alabama team is not as good as Georgia that beat them two years ago. Uh, is it better than TCU last year? Absolutely, this Alabama team is better than TCU last year. So if they play their best game, they, they will win the football game. Yes. The, the question is... Can you keep Jalen Milrow from doing the thing that Jalen Milrow has done in every single game? Because you mentioned the Auburn game. They didn't play great. But you know who made the play in that game? That was not a Hail Mary. That was a perfect dime piece by Jalen Milrow to the back corner of the end zone. Jalen Milrow has hit X plays the entire season, in particular in the second half. They've got to stop that. If Michigan keeps them from those big plays and the style of the game is lower scoring, Michigan wins. Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to save money. When you bundle your auto policy with home, condo, or renters, you'll earn a multi-policy discount. Easy to bundle, easy to save. Progressive.com. It's not just a spot in the national championship game that's on the line in college football today. We dive into that coming up next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Gabe Nigel, Braden Gall, hanging out with you on New Year's Day. College football action just around the corner here on ESPN Radio. It includes the college football playoff semifinals tonight. But first, some breaking news coming out of the NFL, Braden. Uh, Mike Tomlin, during his press conference today, saying that Kenny Pickett's health not in question. However, Tomlin telling reporters that they are going to continue to put the ball in the hands of Mason Rudolph and ride with him in a game against the Ravens. That doesn't mean anything to Baltimore because they're in the postseason as the number one seed. That is locked in. Steelers still trying to fight their way into one of the last spots in the AFC, and they are riding with Mason Rudolph over Kenny Pickett as their starting quarterback. That game will be at 4.30 p.m. uh, on Saturday on ESPN and ABC. Steelers can make the playoffs with a win and a Jaguars or Bills loss, or, again, this is a little more complicated, so hang with me here, Steelers (laughs) win plus a Houston Indy tie or a Denver win plus Jacksonville loss plus Houston Indy doesn't end in a tie. You get all that? I, uh, listen, it's, hope this you're is, taking notes. This is a this is a big time big boy decision. This is why you make money to be an NFL head coach. Mike Tomlin going sticking with Mason Rudolph. The offense has clearly been better the last couple of weeks with him. It's absolutely clicking on all cylinders. Najee Harris with his best game. George Pickens has come to life. 
they're favored, I think, by three and a half on the road against Baltimore. So that tells you right there what Vegas thinks about this matchup for the Steelers. You also can go to Kenny Pickett if you need to. So, what, what, I mean, apparently the locker room and the team is more rallied around Kenny Pickett. So maybe Mike Tomlin going against what his team wants and sort of going to Mason Rudolph here based on who's got the hot hand. Fascinating decision. This is why you make the big bucks to be an NFL head coach. It's why he's been as successful as he has been during his entire career. And again, if they struggle, you can always go back to your starting quarterback and Kenny Pickett. He's available now. So really, really interesting game for the entire AFC playoff picture and just a fascinating decision. Yes, Mike Tomlin, we are buzzing about it. Do you think it is – I mean, I don't think it's sustainable necessarily with Mason Rudolph, but their offense has looked different. It's looked more explosive with him at quarterback this season. To me, even if the team is more behind Pickett, it's – you're more dynamic right now with Mason Rudolph, so that's the way you have to ride. Uh, As we now dive into some things to know about some of the bowl games still remaining, including the college football playoff games. We'll pick those coming up in just a moment. But first, we begin with a game that is already underway on ESPN2. The ReliQuest Bowl, Wisconsin versus number 13 LSU. Wisconsin, both these teams missing a handful of players, but Wisconsin, as they start the second quarter, already up 14 to nothing. Of course, Wisconsin would I mean, wait until uh, you know a, a bowl game to finally have explosive plays in their passing game as Tanner Mordecai has already thrown for two touchdowns in the first quarter of this game. He's 5 for 5, 127 yards. Yeah, what matters here for me is two programs that are used to being in the top 25 finding out what they have at quarterback for next season. Obviously, we don't know what Wisconsin is going to look like, but Garrett Nussmeyer is the heir apparent at LSU. He's been waiting his time. Jaden Daniels sitting out. Nussmeyer right now 10 of 14 passing, but what matters is this is an LSU team that expects to compete for an SEC championship quickly, and it's now time to focus on Garrett Nussmeyer. So, again, one of the benefits of the new system and the benefits of these guys opting out, if you're an LSU fan, you get a chance to see next year's quarterback against a very well-coached Luke Fickle defense, you get to see what it looks like. And it's like a free exhibition practice for Garrett Nussmeyer. And that's a real huge benefit that people kind of forget about in these bowl games as they move forward. Well, and it's one thing when you hit the spring and then you get to do the spring scrimmage, which most play, a lot of places are just doing kind of an additional practice now and it's not even a full-on um, you know, game the way it used to be even 10, 15 years ago. But even just getting that experience against a different team, against players you're unfamiliar with, I think that, to your point, is very valuable for these teams. And that's the direction bowl games are heading in terms of their value to these programs. Uh, pretty valuable one as uh, it's coming up at 1 p.m. today on ESPN at ESPN Radio, the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. The Fiesta Bowl, number 23 Liberty versus number 8 Oregon. Of course, this being the game where the group of five, best group of five team getting an opportunity in one of the New Year's Six Bowl games. So Liberty gets a shot against Oregon. It's going to be coming up here in about 10 minutes right here on ESPN Radio, or you can check it out on ESPN as well. What catches your eye about this matchup? I mean, all the all the seniors are going to play for Oregon in this game. Bo Nix and Bucky Irving, all these guys, sort of their final ride. They're a heavy, heavy favorite. I think a 16, 17-point favorite over Liberty. So, again, it's this is sort of a, a, the way Missouri beat Ohio State and sort of finished their season as one of the great seasons in Missouri history. I think winning a Fiesta Bowl, even if it is against Liberty, uh, you know, I'd like to see what Liberty can offer. But, uh, honestly, Oregon is a vastly superior opponent. And if the Ducks can kind of send off this group of seniors on a high note, I think that'll be really interesting. And then again, most important thing is who is going to play quarterback next year 
for Oregon. Dylan Gabriel, the Oklahoma transfer, looks like he's going to be the guy. They also went and got Dante Moore from UCLA, who's going to be a, a, a five, former five-star. So what do some of these young players do? But really, that's about the last ride for Bo Nix and sort of, you know, hat, hat tip to the former or Auburn quarterback who has really taken Auburn, or Oregon to another level the last few years. Also kicking off at 1 p.m., but this one's on ABC and ESPN Radio, a game featuring quite possibly, well, not just quite possibly, he is the best punter in the nation. Yes. The Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, number 17, Iowa versus number 21, Tennessee. Of course, we're talking about Tory Taylor, the punter from Iowa, who I think has gotten more run, more pub than any punter in college football history. Uh, but Iowa, Tennessee, what are you looking out for here, Braden? I mean, look, I, Iowa, well, does the over-under hit? Always the most important part of any Iowa football game is are you, do you, can you win on the under, which you have most of the season. Um, yeah, yeah, when your punter is the story, that tells you everything you need to know about the offense. But this is about Tennessee being a top preseason top 20 team next year with, a, with the number one quarterback recruit in the nation, Nico Iamaleava. Remember the name. He's very, very talented. He has been getting the reps with the ones the entire weeks, uh, all three weeks building up to this. Iowa's defense is so good, it is such a great test for a young player who, again, can can struggle in this game and find it to be beneficial for his growth and development for next year. So Tennessee fans are off the charts excited about watching Nico, and Nico time has started in Tennessee, and getting to challenge him with an Iowa Kirk Ferentz defense is of tremendous value to Josh Heupel and the Tennessee Volunteers. So it's all about the young freshman quarterback who doesn't lose his redshirt year because of the new rules, so watch that young quarterback for Tennessee. He was the number one recruit in the nation two years ago, or last year, excuse me, and is going to have a real interesting challenge against Iowa. So that's going to be a really fun chess match to watch and see some upside there from the Tennessee quarterback. And we have been waiting all bowl season. It is finally here tonight, starting at 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and ESPN Radio. It's the granddaddy of them all. The Rose Bowl game, number four, Alabama versus number one, Michigan. Who you got? In the first semifinal game, Braden. Uh, line came out early. I think it was like Bama minus two. I jumped on Bama plus the two points. I thought, you know what? There's no matchup on paper where the individual matchup favors Michigan. There is none. And and no one has stopped Jalen Milrow. Even in the Texas game, no one stopped Jalen Milrow. He still made big plays in the second half. That was his second start of the season of his career. I don't know if Michigan can stop Jalen Milrow, but there is something. You know how you live on vibes and energy sometimes? There's something about this Michigan team, us against the world, us against the universe. They've been distracted for years. They've been in this playoff situation. For some reason, I think this Michigan team finally breaks through. Enough is enough. 70 years of this, half a championship in 97. I think Michigan gets to the national championship game. See, I'm, I'm going Bama here just because I, I have a hard time you know, not trusting Nick Saban in this situation. And then finally... It all wraps up tonight, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. I'll the All-State Texas. Sugar Bowl, number three, Texas versus number two, Washington. I'm so, I'm full, so excited, Gabe. I'm sorry. False start, false start on Braden Gall. Who you got, Texas, Washington? Well, where's Brad Allen when you need him? Um, so, I, I, listen, I, I think this is a great game, two great offenses. I think Texas has the defensive line to get the one extra stop. They just need one extra stop in the fourth quarter. I think Texas gets that extra stop. But honestly, who cares? This is just sit back and enjoy this game. It is going to be so much fun tonight. 
I am going to uh, I'm going to take Washington. I think they've been overlooked all year long despite being undefeated. Oh, they're just going to lose this game. Oh, they'll lose that game. And Michael Penix Jr. will find a way to get it done once again against Texas. But yes, to your point, should be an exciting one tonight. You can listen to it all right here on ESPN Radio. Happy New Year, everybody. Enjoy the college football. Coming up next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin vs. Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin vs. Joe podcast.